The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Uh, They're getting better and better. Good morning, Mike. It's almost like Christmas in July. Puck drop is literally... Puck drop is literally two weeks from today. Uh, I, I guess we're having Christmas in August this year, which I guess I can live with. I mean... Well, when in two weeks from now, on August 1st, when I wake up and I unwrap my lovely gift and it says, here's NHL hockey for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, my work productivity at my uh, at my day job is going to take a serious dip because <clears throat> I will unabashedly be sitting in my living room uh, watching games just about all day because they're going to start at noon. As long as they're going to televise all of them, I'll be they'll be on. And they're they're starting at noon. They're going to run till like 10 p.m. So essentially uh, to my friends and family, even though with the lockdown, I haven't seen you. I'm also not going to be talking to you or texting you unless yeah. it's about a game. Uh, if it's you want to know what I'm doing, <laughs> listen to the show. It's been nice seeing you. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you in October. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when the cup is awarded or, you know, when it gets down to every other day and, uh, you know, I have, you know, 15 spare minutes between games, uh, I, I will attempt to remember who you are and text you at that point. Fair but that, that will be September or so. Yeah. <sighs> uh, shoot for after Labor Day. <laughs> yeah. And re- realistically, you're probably looking at, excuse me, <laughs> it might be Columbus Day. It might actually be Columbus Day or okay. depending on what state you're in, Indigenous Persons Day or Canadian Thanksgiving. Apparently we have to, yeah, we have to be careful with names for holidays and whatnot, but I'm, that's for a different show that we don't talk about. Uh, you've met me, right? Is careful a word that you tend to think about when words are falling out of my mouth? No, but that's why I feel the need to say something once in a while, just in case. But yeah, it's been Columbus Day as long as I've been alive, so. Um, so we actually have a decent amount of stuff to talk about and variety as well, because they announced the award finalists, um, there's coaching news. Um, there's a follow-up to one of last week's stories. Uh, we have stuff on the Coyotes, the Panthers, the Bruins, um, pff, other stuff. Can- the Canucks, I suppose. Oh, well, that's the uh, follow-up story, but yes. Oh, I thought it was the other follow-up story, but that was a smaller story, I suppose. Um, the, the I Tampa guess Bay Lightning. Oh, that one, right. Um... I guess there's uh where do we want to start? Uh hmm. Uh we could start with the we could start with the training camp notes and that would kill off one of the repeat one of the uh, follow-ups. Oh. Uh just quickly looking on nhl.com because uh I was looking for information about awards and whatnot and I found uh, a tidy little article that helps put everything into uh, some sort of perspective, shall we say? Uh, they ha- they released training camp notes for all of the teams, and apparently the new 
buzzword or buzz phrase is unfit for play or, or un- unable in- to compete, unable I to participate or something. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently there's a lot of that going around the league at this particular current time. Uh, and since the rule apparently in the NHL is that the teams are not allowed to talk about injuries and illnesses and absences in any kind of specific detail, as far as I can tell anyway, because they can say if somebody left practice or wasn't at practice, but that's it. So the big ones are like uh, Rookie of the Year candidate Kel McCarr left practice for the Avalanche. Uh, starting goaltender jobs are up for grabs, apparently, in a couple of cities, Pittsburgh being one of them. And apparently Vegas is another one. They're, 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 I read something about Marc-Andre Fleury Competing. looking forward to competing with Robin Leonard for the starting job. Which, I mean, that's a big statement. Um, and it ties into one uh, one of the uh, Boston stories. Um, but the fo- I mean, yeah, the follow-up one is when you scroll down to Tampa Bay Lightning, because we talked about it last week that Stamkos was out due to some kind of an injury. But on Saturday, he took part in practice with the Lightning for the first time. So he's back. He's on a line. He, apparently, they skated. Uh, they started the full team practice. He didn't return for the second session, but he was skating with his line mates, Point and Kucherov. Uh, worked with the first power play unit. It, it says, uh, the quote here is, like we said, we've got a little bit of time before the start of games. Apparently they're starting on the 3rd of August. And all along it's about I having it him... I the 2nd, but yeah. Uh, it, Tampa's it, might be on the 3rd. It says here August 3rd, but... Uh, it's, it's all about having him ready for that time. Coach, um, yeah, that guy, John Cooper said... He's had a couple of really good days, so now it's just a process. Uh, we're not going to rush anything, but it's a good sign that he lasted 45 minutes to an hour. So it looks like Stamkos is not only on the mend, but working back up to some sort of full game fitness. One which of is, the- I mean, scary for the rest of the NHL because that line of Point Kucherov and Stamkos... Their whole offensive unit is terrifying. Like, yeah, legitimately terrifying. Ooh, wow. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to... Um, <clears throat> yeah, t- uh, Tampa's first game is... August 3rd. According to this, yes, uh, uh, the games the the official games start with the official playoff games. The first one is Arizona and Nashville uh, at two p.m. Eastern on August second. Um, oh wow! There were some games on Sunday the first as well. I thought those were exhibition games. Still, you might be right. Um, no, you are right. Uh, Rangers Carolina have the honor of the first game. Um, I will not promise to watch all one, two, three, four, five games, uh, <laughs> but I will at least skim through at least four of them. Um, 
The Florida Islanders one is going to be slightly interesting, um, and we'll talk about the Panthers in a second. Um, but you were talking about Leonard and Flurry competing for the Vegas job, and um, that's that. Just I, I, there are probably not ten bigger fans of Robin Leonard as an NHL goaltender than, than the two I. of us. Yeah, we just we we have been talking about this guy for like six years. He was still in Ottawa at the time. He was still in Ottawa when we started talking about him with Ben Bishop. Yes. And we were talking about him being at least as good as Ben Bishop, who I believe has either won a Vesna or been nominated for a couple of since then. By the way, just just stop for a minute and think, where would Ottawa be if they hung on to one of these two guys? One or 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 made a trade that was actually a reasonable exchange for the talents of these guys. Yeah, because I don't believe that either of them was got was uh, moved for anything useful. I'm trying to remember what the deals were. Yeah, they were they were they were. If I remember correctly, they were a little one-sided. Because um, Ben Bishop went straight to Florida. Um, he, w- I mean, he actually Bishop has been around now. He was drafted by the Blues, uh, mm-hmm. and then traded to then traded to St. Louis, uh, traded from St. Louis to Ottawa. Uh, the April 3rd, 2013 trade for Ben Bishop was for Corey Conacher and fourth round pick Tobias Lindbergh. Who? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, wow. <laughs> Robin Leonard was trade was, uh, traded, uh, draft rights traded from Columbus with Leclerc to Ottawa for Antoine Vermette. Uh, he was then traded from Ottawa in 2015 with David Leguan to the Sabres for a first-round pick in the 2015 draft, which ended up being Colin White, a decent player. But not how a, much? Not how much level. more could they have hung if they had hung on to Leonard? How much more prevalent would that have been? But then he signed with the Islanders, signed with the Blackhawks, and then obviously this year traded from the Blackhawks. Blackhawks to the Leafs, uh, which in a three-team deal, he he was turned around immediately and sent out west to Vegas. So Leonard's been around a little bit as well, trying to prove himself. And I don't know that he's had to prove himself. I mean, the guy's got talent. In Ottawa, it was the fact that the defense in front of him, and same thing in Buffalo, the defense in front of him consisted of like one or two and then four guys you'll never be able to name. Yes, exactly. Um, but if you look at if you look at Leonard's stats over the last five years, it's like uh, with Vegas, he's had a 940. Granted, it's only three games. Uh, his Blackhawks this year, as bad as they were, he still had a 918 save percentage. Uh, with the Islanders, he had a 930. With the Buffalo Sabres in 17-18, he had a 908. And the season before that, he had a 920. I mean, this guy has – the last time he had a sub-90 save percentage was his rookie year in Ottawa 
where he played in eight games and had an 888 save percentage. Behind a <coughs> terrible team. <laughs> the next year, full, next year he played in a whopping five games, so he was still... <sighs> But he had a 9.35 save percentage, uh, 9.38 in Binghamton. I mean, this guy is – I don't know. I don't – I mean, yes, we know he had uh, he had some mental health issues and I think which some adjacent issues, but – Which he's been open and honest about. And it, the, the mental health community has really rallied around this guy. I mean, I – having worked in the field when he came out and made that statement two years ago at the award ceremony, was it last year uh, where he said that, you know, he has a mental illness, but it wasn't going to control him. Uh, He is to me. I mean, that was a huge statement, not the topic of right now, but just Robin Leonard and, and, and for, it wasn't Robin Leonard that made the statement about the, the competing. It was Mark andre Fleury who said he's looking forward to competing for the starting job. He's already the number one, and he says he's looking forward to competing with Robin Leonard. I mean, this is a guy who he's ha- he has Stanley Cups in the past. He's, he's He took that team to the Stanley Cup finals in their first year. <laughs> uh, in their first year, no, that was a cohesive unit that year. That that they, team was ridiculous. And another story is that they haven't had a captain yet. And again, apparently, this season or next season, they are going to name a captain for the first time, which is going to be fascinating. Uh, they have never had one. They've always just rotated alternate captains. Ah, uh, but the 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 competition with that and and. The players that are in and out and, and unable to perform or una- unable to participate or whatever the phrase is, I'm looking forward to. I, I'm pretty sure that the first couple of games are going to be what we should expect, and that is players returning from three and a half months off. <laughs> yeah, I I am not expecting the normal, you know, early April first round madness that like uh, what was it uh four years ago five years ago that first round series between dallas and st louis that had more hits than uh an entire nfl sunday um it, you, we're not gonna see that pace we are just not gonna see it um and honestly in this first play-in round, exhibition round, or whatever you want to call it, I don't want to see it. These guys have not played in as long as the Stanley Cup finalists go between the end, uh, between hoisting the cup and the start of the NHL season. Yep. That's what you're facing. For a lot of players, um, like uh, like Shane Gostisbehere in Philadelphia, this is huge. He had arthroscopic knee surgery seven Segway. or so weeks ago, and um, that was his second knee of the year having arthroscopic surgery. And seven, eight, or it'll it'll end up being about nine weeks uh, in time before before the game before he uh, starts playing. But that's that's a huge amount of time 
to not play. I mean, he's had two surgeries. The Philadelphia Flyers are expecting to use him as a depth as a depth defenseman. Um, they, they have him listed as the seventh seventh defenseman at the moment. I mean, are they are they are they genuinely going to go into the exhibition round knowing that their first game is against the Boston Bruins playing 11 forwards and seven defensemen? Uh, is, is that what you is, expect to happen? Or is he going to say, I, I, I don't know. I just see, I don't know I if it's better gonna... to start him hard or, or to give, give the other guys a chance to figure out what they are and reset uh, with him the next game where you have five known quantities or so around him. I'm just trying to figure out, I mean, Carter Hart clearly is going to want the, the best six in front of him. I don't know that you start a seventh defenseman and take a, a forward off the board. Who's double, who's double shifting. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, I guess it. I guess it's come. It comes down to how much you intend to use your bottom uh, six forwards. Uh, you know, if you're if you're planning to play them four minutes a, uh, four minutes uh, each in the first game, yeah, go ahead. Eleven and seven it is, and uh, and have at it. If you're actually planning to play them eleven twelve minutes, maybe not. Because then you're double shifting, you're rotating that third uh, forward through a lot of time and you're mixing up lines uh, even before you start counting penalties, uh, any sort of in-game injury, um, power plays, things like that. The, the, the thing is that if, if what I'm reading is to be believed from the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, the top three pairings are Provorov, Niskanen, Travis Sanheim, and Phil Myers, and then Robert Haig and Justin Braun. And apparently Mike Yo, uh, assistant coach, he's in charge of the defense there. Apparently he's very happy. He's impressed with what he's seen out of them. If that's the case, I think we see Shane riding the ninth level. I can't see them taking an. I just can't see them taking a forward off the board. I think that goal. I think it, it, especially in the early games, and and call it a crazy whim or whatever. But I think we're going to see a little bit more goal scoring. I think we're going to see them teams still trying to shake off the rust. I I think there's going to be more goal scoring. The power, the pressure is going to be on goaltenders, and to take a forward off the board, you'd be ham you'd you'd be hamstringing your own team by doing that. Yeah, but here's the question. Of these two teams, Boston and Philadelphia, who has the better goaltending? Oh, uh, duh. So you might want to give the advantage to getting the puck out of your own zone, which doesn't necessarily mean you have to be able to skate uh, at at a high level. You just have to be able to make smart passes, which is something Gostaspare does really, really well. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not – Overly impressed. I mean, how do I put this? I'm not overly impressed with his defense. Defense, yeah. but as far as a a playmaking defenseman, because I can't stand that other phrase. Uh, as far as a playmaking defenseman, yes, 
that is where he excels, moving the puck, getting it up ice, getting it out of the zone quickly and accurately. Uh, I wouldn't rely on him as much going backwards toward Carter Hart, but yeah, getting the puck out is, is certainly one of his key areas. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. If they, maybe if they go through the first game and decide that, okay, we need him, uh, or, or do you do the reverse and use him and then decide in the second game, uh, okay, maybe we should sit him or does I he mean, play, or does he play himself back into the top six? I mean, who is Philip Myers or Phil Myers? Hey, Justin Braun, Matt Niskanen, Provorov. I don't know who Phil Myers is. Travis Sanheim is a young defenseman, but he's performed well in, in this season with them. Do they put Gostaspierre in in place of Myers at some point? It, it could be anyone. I mean, this is, of course, assuming that all seven defensemen are still healthy and no one decides to uh, withdraw. Uh, I mean, none of the – they have seven defensemen. Someone could opt out. Someone could uh, Someone could tweak anything, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's another thing you might see is a lot of things getting tweaked. I realize that's why they ran training camp and, and had practices early, even if it was limited numbers, having a couple of exhibition games and, all, and whatnot. I still think you might see – Oh, An I increased number of tweaks and strains. You can pretty much guarantee it. I think this is going to look like day six of the NHL season through day 18, uh, through that first, through this play in round and the, uh, and the, um, uh, a traditional first round, you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to pull a hamstring or strain a hamstring, not necessarily, as much injury as a, um, as you know, tearing anything, but they're going to have, you know, more than the, more than the ordinary level of, uh, of, you know, minor nagging nonsense. Uh, what was the phrase that Andy Ferentz used to use? Icky groin. (laughs) I believe that was it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see a number of those, uh, all of which, along with illnesses and family mi- family matters, will now be reported under uh, unable to uh, unable to participate. Mm. Um, which I guess I'm okay with. I, I I'm ambivalent about the value of it, uh, particularly when um, you know David Pasternak was reported as being. Un, uh, uh, unable to participate. And then, you know, eight hours later, there's a news report uh, that says, oh, yeah, um, he was in contact with someone who tested positive, but he tested negative himself and is still uh, quarantining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then it turns out that the the rumor mill churned up that he's been hanging out with Andre Kasha in the North End and they've been practicing on uh, on their own or well Kasha has also not been at practice so i think that the two of them are both in the same situation and uh practicing together at which 
I guess is, which I guess is reasonable. It will keep them at a better pace or better, at least better communication than just skating individually. But, um, apparently the Bruins have like nine players. Yeah. Some high number like that, that are unable to whatever is on that, uh, unable list. Well, yeah, but he's unable to, I don't know, do anything hockey related, I guess, at this point, except skate around holding a stick, if he can even skate with that knee. Uh, I was just I was just pulling up. You realize the Philadelphia defense uh, with Gostas Beer on on as the seventh defenseman. So say he's not playing. You look at the other six. They have two players that are over 30. Yeah, Niskanen, Niskanen and Justin Braun. After that, with Gostas Beer on the bench, your oldest goal, your oldest defenseman is Robert Haig at 25. Yep. You've got two 23 year olds and a 24 year old. And that's and that is part of my uh, part of my reasoning for why I think if they can play Gostas Bear, they will. But if they're going to do it, I see them using him as one of the six. I just I I'm struggling to you see. You hate the seven. You hate the eleven seven format, though, which I I'm do. not a big fan of. I do just because I I unless you have somebody that clearly can play the double shifting role and the question becomes what lines do you double what ones do you double shift do you double shift top line winger again on the third line or the fourth line i, I don't know how often i want i guess it depends top line on whether you're taking there. a center out uh you know you maybe double you shift. double shift your third line center and you hope you're getting a little extra or you know maybe your second and third line centers each play two extra shifts a period um because that's what i'm looking at you got Giroux as a center you got kevin hayes oh they uh, have like nine guys K- they list couturier and lawton okay maybe it's only five or six but still but even if you go with those even if you even if those four are your top four centers you got to sit somebody in the 11-7 format uh not going to be Giroux. no nope. I can't see them sitting Hayes after the uh, contract that they offered him, uh, smart, smartly or not, if that's a real word. The contract that they gave Kevin Hayes is scary. Uh, <laughs> you've got Sean Couturier or Scott Lawton. Uh, Lawton becomes the odd man out, I think. And then there's Nate Thompson at 35. Is he even going to see ice time? He's a really good penalty killer still. Uh, and, if but you, he's, and but if, he's if solely a center, so that means somebody he's else. Played, no, he's, he's spent a lot of time on the wing. Okay. Uh, I know they only list him at center, um, but, you know, you go back to his time. Oh, God, he's another one of those guys who's been everywhere in the league. But um, Oh, without a doubt. I've seen his name attached to, like, Montreal. Uh, he has he got attached to, he has to Boston to at one point. Oh yeah, he, Boston was his first team. I think they lost him on waivers. Um, but that's more than ten years ago. Uh, yeah. I think he's probably played for six teams, maybe seven. Um, I know. I think he was in Dallas. He was out Bruins on the West Coast, a whopping four games. 
Uh, Islanders. Yep. For two seasons. Uh, Lightning. Yep. For two and a half, uh, for three and a half seasons. Uh, no, four and a half seasons. The Ducks. And then he started. That's where he was at West. Then he started moving a little bit, a little bit quicker because he's been with the Senators, Kings, Canadians, and now Flyers. So yeah, he's a well-traveled veteran, and he's got 62 games of playoff experience. So he, it's not that he hasn't been. I, I don't know that he's won a cup. I'm trying to. Not to my knowledge. It doesn't look like he's been anywhere where a cup has been won, but. Uh, they've gone deep. He went 18 games deep with the with the Lightning back in 10-11. Oh, that would be the year the Bruins won. Uh, 17 games with the Ducks in 16-17. He's got a couple of deep playoff runs yep. in him. So he'd be a valuable asset in the locker room. So, yeah, I mean, who do you – that's why I don't like He's the 11 He's even got international – He's even got international experience. Uh, he's played for he played in the world uh, world championships uh, back in the twelve thirteen season. He played ten games that year. That's a lot of international hockey uh, for one season. He's covered North America pretty well because you figure if he's been all the way down in Tampa Bay, he's been as far northwest as Alaska in the ECHL. And he also played for uh, Seattle Thunderbirds uh, in junior. Uh, this guy has been all around this great uh, continent of ours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's played in – but that, played everywhere. But that's my point. Okay, if he's going to be – oh, he's from Alaska. So playing in the ECHL, he was actually playing at home. Essentially. Uh my, that's why I'm not a big fan of it. I just you're taking an you're, you're throwing your four line system. I mean, and some coaches don't roll four lines consistent. No, they don't. And that's fine. If you're on a team where that doesn't work, I guess you can go with an 11 seven split. It wouldn't work here in Boston. It certainly wouldn't have worked under Claude Julian here or in Montreal where he likes to roll four lines consistent. Uh, Cassidy, I think, just left that – just kind of left that in place. He likes to roll his four lines. I, I mean it's useful here because we have okay. a fourth line that's talented. But Now, I wasn't going to talk about this one because uh, – So hang on to it. But I think we have to where we're talking about Philadelphia. Uh-oh. Um, the Jack Adams finalists. Oh, I didn't. We don't even have that on. Wow. Going. As I said, I wasn't going to talk about it. Going sideways on me. All right. Jack Adams. <laughs> um, Bruce Cassidy. John Tortorella. And Elaine Vigneault. Oh, God. Um, Sorry, that that Kate, that slipped out. <laughs> are you yeah. serious? Those are the finalists, uh, as announced earlier this week. Um. John Tortorella had the guts ripped out of his roster, was relying on, what, three different rookie goaltenders at some point this season. Well, I don't know. is not a rookie, but or Kivlianic, so whatever his name is, they are. Uh, two rookies and uh, a, a, a journeyman. 
and a guy who's never been a starter. No, he's not a journeyman. Yeah. corpusello has been there all his career. It's just that he's never been the starter because he's been behind Bobrovsky. Uh, correct, but he's he had he had the guts ripped out of his roster. He lost Panarin. He lost Bobrovsky. And I want to say they lost Seth, another key Seth player. Jones in the went da- Seth Jones went down hurt during the season. Yeah. I mean, Elaine yeah, Vigneault had- has had – he's uh, – whatever else you think of him, he had a good season. That, se- that team was not a playoff team or not as consistent in performance last year as they are this – as they were this season. Um, and then Bruce Cassidy, um, yeah, the Bruins basically from what was it, mid-October through the end of the season, skated away from the league and stayed there. Yeah. But really, given that the entire Western Conference is hot garbage. Um, you, I mean, in fairness, much, the three, the three, co- the three coaches are from. The All East. three are from the East, which tells you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, Probably it, more it, than you really want to know. But <laughs> I mean, it, it, it says just about everything you actually need to know about the state of the NHL see, right now with interconference balance. See, but I would have included instead of, in, I don't know, and, and maybe it's a bias against Vigneault, but I can look at it objectively I'm not a big fan of Vigneault I'll be I'll be the first to admit that I don't know don't you got to consider Travis Green in Vancouver I uh, see I would consider Travis Green I would even take a look at um I would even take a look at you know the Hurricanes and talk about their head coach they weren't just scraping into the playoffs um as they did last year they they took strides. Um, I I don't know. I mean, whether you want to talk about John Cooper or not is up no. to you. Um, <laughs> they had a solid season. They had the second. Uh, they had the second best points percentage at the. I don't. Know, I don't. At the pause um, in the East. Do, I mean, do you discount Bruce Cassidy as? Uh, I mean. But this is essentially the record that the Bruins had last year. They had a hundred and something points last year. They didn't have, I mean, Bergeron missed a couple of games, but no real suspensions. Um, Pasternak played 70. Marshan played 70. Bergeron and uh, Krug each played 61, as did Krejci. Coyle played 70. DeBrusque, 65. McAvoy, 67. Corrali, 69. Grizzlick, 68. Um, Brandon Carlo played 67. Zidane Charo played 68. You know, that's the bulk. Of, that's the bulk of your minutes and key minutes right there. As far as uh, as far as things go, you had Halak and Rask, you know, the best goaltending tandem in the league this year. Um, yes, some of it is the coach preparing, but 
I'll, I'll go back and say what I've been saying since before Julian left. What's Cassidy's system? Uh, I've been saying that since Cassidy took over because I think his system is the absence of a system almost. It, or to me, that's what it seems like. I'm. It's working, but I get. I guess it's. But how much of that is goal. because you have really good players and not because of the system? And that yeah, and that would be my argument is just. I think it's whenever you need a goal, you can throw out that top line and hope that they score. Most likely they will. But that's not a system. And, yeah, with the talent level overall on that team, it's – and the familiarity with each other. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, Char has been here a long time – Char has been here forever at this point. I mean – Let's face it, uh, DeBrusque, uh, DeBrusque was not born yet when Zdeno Chara started playing in the NHL. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I'm not sure that – I'm actually not sure that Brandon – I don't think Brandon Carlo was, had been born yet either. It's um, a good possibility now that you mention it. Uh, let's see. Brandon Carlo was born in – No, wait. Brandon Carlo is He's only 23. He was born in 96. Zdeno Ch- or Jake DeBrusque was born in 96. Um, Zdeno Charo played his first game in the 90, uh, 97-98 season. Okay, so hadn't been potty trained yet. Working on it. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking for other possible coaches that could. I mean, do. You, St. Louis, I mean, do you give it to Jared Bednar or do you consider Bednar because of Colorado? Or do you just sit there and say, well, uh, Colorado is as good as their goaltending is going to take them? I mean, I think they're better. I think, well, you have to remember, Colorado had injuries to (coughs) McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Mika Rantanen, uh, Makar missed time uh, during the season. Mm-hmm. I think that even though the West Rubauer is... was out too. And back yes. up there, Franzos was, Franzos was actually huge for a while there with Grubauer out. I uh, think that given that the West think, overall sloshes when you look at it, much less... But that's not fair. I understand what you're saying, but that's not fair to the two teams. In my opinion, the two teams that really should be recognized. Uh, yes, Vancouver's only got 78 points. They're third in the Pacific. But we're talking about Travis Green, a second-year head coach, coaching a predominantly mid-20s NHL team. NHL Certainly franchise. the contributors, yeah. I mean, he's got to he's, he's managing I, kids here. Or, or I think that Travis to. Green is you could easily slide Travis Green in in place of either Vigneault or Cassidy. I mean, it seems like the guy with the best record automatically gets a Jack Adams nod uh, every year or almost every year, four out of five. Mm-hmm. Given the health of the Bruins overall. I don't know that I like I, – I don't know that the challenge was there given that this team went to the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. 
There's not a lot of final last year. Game seven. They went to game seven. There's not a lot of turnover. There's not a lot of, you know, having to reset. You haven't had huge injuries. Um, I think it's, I think the challenge that he faced is less than what Tortorella faced, even less than what Elaine Vigneault faced. Uh, I hate to say it, but that's why I'm discounting uh, Barubi in St. Louis. And I would probably discount Cassidy, too. You won the Stanley Cup. You returned pretty much the same squad. Yep. And you're in the same position. I mean, St. Louis last year, Barubi definitely needed consideration because of the last-to-first rebound. This year, though? uh, This this year, year, they were consistently in in the top three in the West. Yes. And the same thing with, as you say, Bruce Cassidy. It you made it to the Stanley Cup final. You went to Game Seven. You stretched it out as long as you could. You bring back pretty much the same squad with like one or two tweaks and the same goaltending tandem, and you've got the same result. You're top of the league. I'm I'm not saying that Bruce Cassidy isn't doing a good job. I'm just saying that there are other where's the challenge? Co- there yes, there are other head coaches out there that have had challenges in front of them that are succeeding, and that would be a Bednar, a Green. Uh, is Vigneault, I guess Vigneault then, I mean, Philadelphia is second in the Metropolitan. Yeah. 89 points. And it, I mean, it, when you... As much as I don't like him, I guess you got to throw a little bit of shine his way. And on the Bruins, you've got the, you've got Mr. Selkie. You've got a defenseman who Hall of Famer Ray Bork said is better than I was. Uh, mm-hmm. defensively. I mean, offensively, it's not that close. Um, among your top four forwards, uh, the per- the Bergeron line and David Craigie, the lowest shooting percentage is 15.1. 15.1. Um, and David Pasternak's is 17.2. I mean, that's over one in six shots going in for each of those four guys over one and six. Okay. <laughs> uh, Pasternak, uh, didn't he tie for the rocket Richard? He did with indeed. Ovechkin at 48, uh, Ovechkin at 48 goals. He did indeed. 95 points in 70 games. That's an obscene number. Yes. Especially considering your number one, his, his, the center he's played the most games with, I believe at this point, Bergeron was out for nine games, plus the time flip-flopping back and forth to Krejci's line just to get other people going. But, yeah, um, I'm not seeing the adversity that make that separates really good from great, in my opinion. And the thing- I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. This is not a hate fest on Bruce Cassidy. I'm saying other coaches have had to do more with less. Yeah, and that and that's been my argument, and that's why I'm thinking you've got to con- you've got to consider guys like, and I don't know who votes on these things, but somebody like a, a Travis Green who's had to deal with, I mean Cooper's team is fifth in the Met, in in the Metropolitan. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, or sixth actually in the Met, seventy nine, uh, eighty one points. 
Oh no, so they'd be tied with Carolina, but I guess they're anyway. It, not a great record, 33, uh, 33, 22 and fifteen. But with what he's had to deal with, the injuries, the losses. And the way he's been able to keep that team going in the direction, in the right direction, that's the type of stuff that I want to see out of a coach of the year candidate. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and like you said, Bruce Cassidy, uh, Bruce Cassidy, uh, I think that's the one choice we really got to question. Hey, I will take Travis Green ahead of for excellence in execution um while we're talking boston yes uh i mentioned early we we talked about earlier in the show uh mark andre flurry stating that he's looking forward to competing with robin leonard mm-hmm. uh before the show we were we talked about uh a similar situation here in Boston with Tuka Rass saying he expects to share the crease with Yaroslav Halak. Well, the story, that's the story I found, which, uh, which I, had, I read I, too. And I had, I had, I had mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how they were going to work uh, playoffs and goaltenders and, and the fact that you're, best backup in the NHL, your 1A, 1B. Your 1B isn't going to see the ice at all because of the belief that you have to run your number one out there every game all the time. This is not your standard end-of-the-season ramping up into a playoffs. I I believe that Halak has to somehow be in the mix. I think he has to play at least one of these, one or two of these uh, round robin games at minimum, um, because otherwise, if something happens in the finals, in the conference finals, you're talking five months since the last time your goaltender played a competitive hockey game. Five months. At that point, it almost doesn't matter whether it's the guy who played all season as your number two. Or you pull someone uh, who just who just graduated from college or was playing in the AHL last year. It almost doesn't matter because five months without competitive hockey as a player, not just really good practices, not just being along for the ride and being at ice level, but actually playing as a competitive player is way too long to to throw someone in. Agreed. My question is with teams like with teams like uh, Vegas and, and Flurry saying he's looking forward to competing for the number one uh, there are uh, there are a couple other teams that I think are in that same situation is Rast being true and honest when he says this or is he trying to somehow deflect that there might be a competition for the starting job here. I mean, is there a competition? I, I think if you if Cassidy did something like that, he would alienate ninety percent of the Bruins fan base. If uh, I don't think it's did. quite ninety percent, but yes, I think he would alienate a vocal percentage. There are 
Rask religion. There is a Tuka Rask religion among the Boston fan base that is literally unable to contemplate the possibility that he could ever be wrong at fault or less than the best. Um, What percentage of the fan base that is? Has he won a Stanley Cup yet? Uh, What? Yeah, he he was part of the 10-11 season. I mean, they couldn't have won without him. Oh, well, he did such a fabulous job opening and closing the door. See, uh, uh, that's a valuable contribution. Uh, I mean, that's a non-standard hockey move. I'm I'm downplaying the role that he served during the the 10-11 playoff run. I, I mean, I'm that's, terrible. That's a key contribution. Without that, you know, some guy who's unused to doing that could tweak a wrist, you know, maybe dislocate a thumb, and it's all over. You know, say Brad Marchand dislocates his thumb opening and closing the door, the Bruins don't win that cup. That's a, that's a very, very good point. I. Yeah. Uh, I. Okay, so I should tweak the question. As the starting goaltender, as the number one, has he won a Stanley Cup? No. Okay. In fact, yeah. he's been in crease for uh, in the crease for some embarrassing losses in the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, just making sure. I, I just but back I, to it's back nice to your to, original question was. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, is there an actual competition? I think there has to be, regardless of what it's going to do to a percentage, a vocal percentage of the fan base. If you're genuinely committed to winning the cup, you have to go with whoever is performing best right now. And the thing is, as it appears, these two genuinely get along. It's not like it's just a professional. These two share information. They, 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 they work, things out together they, they when they're on the ice you know if they spot something they let each other i mean it's not a it's not always a i'm the number one okay the backup just goes in to, to face some rubber and that's it keep the guys going whatever i mean these guys clearly work well together i just think that in what i've seen in the past the defense seems to perform better in front of Halak, there seems to be better communication. Uh, Halak's vision seems to be a little bit better. They, they, he lets them know. I think he communicates better. Yeah. I flat out think he. And I think that that is Rask's biggest failing as a goaltender because we've seen this going back to when. Um, to We've seen this going back throughout Rask's career. They communicated better with Thomas. They communicated better with Hudobin. Um, you have these goaltenders come in as the number two, and they put up numbers e- uh, very close to or even better than Tuka Rask over long stretches or even full seasons. And it, it comes down to you can see and hear them talking to the defense the forward who comes back first, which is usually Bergeron or, you know, whoever's on the, in that third, fourth line. Um, and he, guys always know what's going on when that number two is in, is in the crease. Um, or if it's not communication, that's Rask's biggest detriment. It's almost certainly his belief that he's a puck handler. Uh, 
and the <laughs> skater. No, no, yeah. no, stop, no. Halak can play the puck. I've seen him do it. I've seen him screw up, too, but Halak can handle the puck. Tuca has tripped over his own feet. Uh, Literally. Uh, I've, I've seen I, it I in know, the game. He skated behind it. the net and tripped over his own feet. Hey, the uh, you know what? It, it was the uh, it, it was the uh, mark. It was the lines on the ice that jumped up and bit him. Obviously, I mean, yeah. he literally was skating back to the front of the net and just up under, butt over tea kettle, boom, right down on his. It was like, uh, no, stay in front of the net. Don't leave it. <laughs> now, there's no reason for you to go anywhere. <laughs> Now, everything I said about this needing to be a competition is true. Yes. But remember how I said this uh, before the show that this goes back to uh, something we talked about a few weeks back? Yes. Here's the thing that we talked about a few weeks back. Uh, I don't remember what week it was. It was probably at least seven, eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Tuka Rask said... Next season, his last under contract could be his last. I remember. We talked about it. If he's saying this to the media, not answering a question, but saying this, just a statement, this lends credence to the idea that he's already got one foot out the door. I've said that in the past, too. If you're talking retirement, then your head's already – Heading toward the doorway, heading toward the escape, uh, I mean, heading toward the exit. He's has he got his uh, metal band formed, and he's already starting to look at tour dates for uh, when he retires. But if that's he, the case, you have to have a competition. Uh, see, I, I as I, I'll stand by my belief that you have absolutely have to have a competition this year in this situation, anyways. Um, regardless of whether you're, you're, regardless of the gap between your number one, your number two, mm-hmm. I think this training camp, you have to have a competition. I mean, not only do you have the risk of injuries that are 100% a part of every hockey game, every hockey practice and every weight room session, um, you have the normal bout and round of illnesses plus the reason for, the shutdown and they're testing these guys every day. Your number one comes up uh, positive. They're gone for 14 days. Mm-hmm. So you have to play. I think you absolutely have to play your number two. If you have any belief in them at all. And oh, the Bruins complete- do have belief in them. I completely agree. And the team, has all the confidence in the world with Halak. The way they play in front of him and play for him, it's it, it wouldn't be any more visible if you didn't. The only way you wouldn't see it is if you didn't actually see the way they performed in front of Malcolm Subban when he was here for his two starts in the NHL with the Bruins. That was one of the poorest displays of Bruins hockey uh, or team hockey. Like playing together for every man on the ice. Yeah, I'm not blaming any one player on that during that game. It was they just did not play in front of him. They didn't show up. They took the night off. Whatever. I don't know if 
the whole team had bad sushi the night before or that yeah. that morning. Scheduled you know, loss. That's a, apparently that's a real thing. Two scheduled losses for a guy called up straight out of the AHL. Yeah, that wasn't it. It just wasn't right. And it wasn't until he actually performed, if I remember correctly, the first period of both games. He was stellar. It wasn't until somewhere in the second period where a tipped goal got by him and suddenly the floodgates opened. I mean, he played well up until that first goal. It was it was like watching young Marc-Andre Fleury. Yes. Um, and then it got very much like watching young Marc-Andre Fleury, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he hasn't had the luxury of having a team that knows that their number, that the guy after him uh, or the other guy in the crease is not as good. But you see the way they perform in front of Halak, it, and it clearly they trust him, rely on him, know that he's going to be in position, know that he's going to be there. Uh, I don't have any – there has to be you, – you have to have a competition, and yes, they have to play him. I'm just wondering that retirement thing, how much of that had an effect on the fact that they offered Halak that one-year extension so that both of them could be back again next season for – so that they lose both at the same time, I guess it gives Vladar another season in the minors to really wrap his head around it. But at some point, you want to see Vladar facing NHL talent. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be this year. Um, he might get he might get called up and played a game or two early next year. I think that Rask has another milestone early in the season, and okay. I think once that milestone is hit. You might see Vladar come up uh, and play two or three games um, sometime between uh, or sometime after that, uh, even without injuries. You know, you give Halak and uh, maybe you give Halak and uh, the backup duties and um, give Rask a night off. Give Rask a night completely off. Um, just before you're going out on a big road trip or just after you come back on a big road trip and get Vladar, uh, his first taste of the NHL, uh, based on what we've seen of first game back, um, I would have to, uh, I would have to go along with, um, I would have to go with, uh, before the trip (laughs) (laughs) just based on. Uh, just based on how guys have mm, failed to perform, I, I I mean I would like to see Vladar in front of NHL talent. I mean the, the the season that he had last year in the AHL and the numbers that he put up in 25 games or whatever it was, uh, the improvement year over year is scary good. I'd like to see if that's a a real thing, and perhaps that's what the Bruins are doing. They've also got another young goaltender that they just signed uh, their draft pick that was at the University of Maine uh, and Jeremy Swayman. So they want to see what he's all about. I think that's why they bring Halak back for that one extra year. It gives the young guys a chance to get their feet wet in the AHL. They'll face some NHL talent uh, moving up and down or whatever. And 
and you also have the luxury if one of those guys, Swayman or Vladar or both, looks like they're going to be NHL talent, of trading someone at the <laughs> at the deadline. Now, now, I already made one person cry suggesting that. So, I didn't say who. I just said someone. <laughs> you know, Halak is a little bit older than Rask. Maybe it's him you trade. You pick up a second round pick in exchange for him. Or if the goalie market is really tight, maybe you get a second and a fourth, uh, second and a third. Um, Grown man crying in a sports bar. (laughs) That really kind of was funny. Grown man. You're a terrible person. Terrible. I, I, uh, I was. That was. Yeah, that was terrible thing I did. I believe his buddy was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, too. Uh, he was definitely from the Ontario region. I think I think he said at one point he had coached or scouted for the, Ma- uh, the, the Marlboros. The Marlboros, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, he, if you're still listening, uh, hit us on Twitter um, and uh, say hi and sorry. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> not I sorry, do, I, but sorry. So, sorry, not sorry. The <laughs> Reese's commercial. Yeah. We'll get you some. So, road, speaking of road trips, though, uh, I guess we're heading out west, uh, unless we're going to call it a day. But um, uh, no, we've got we've got enough to t- we've got a little bit more to talk about. Oh, spectacular! Go. No, I'm just thinking the last two things that I can see on the docket are both both mean that we have to travel uh, to the western part of the country. Are you uh, talking it's just southwest or northwest? Oh, let's start in the southwest. I mean, we're already hot here. Um, it's going to be entirely too warm and muggy uh, in New England the next couple of days. Uh, let's go for the dry heat. Well, one of my, my one of my favorite GMs in the NHL and possibly in all of sport at this point, uh, John Chaka has been uh-huh. talking about. I love John Chaka. Ah, oh, he's I did. I've said it many times. Okay, uh, Coyotes have a balance of playoff experience and motivated youth. What is motivated you? <laughs> uh, I think so, he's politely saying our uh, our guys do not have uh, their heads up their backsides. Okay, fair enough. According to this, though, they have the 15th youngest team among the 24 that will be resuming play in Hub Cities. 15th youngest. Does that mean that they're really young or really old? Because that's not exactly right in the middle. That's a weird designation. I don't quite figure out what they're trying to say. I tried to ignore it, so... uh... But they have... The idea behind the article is that apparently Jake is talking about the playoff experience and what they have. And they do have, and we were talking about this pre-show, they do have three players that have Stanley Cup winning experience. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I made the same mistake. Oops. <laughs> yeah, the writer of the article does it kind of funny. He talks about their coach having, and this is, uh, which article is this again? Um, oh, this, this is, is the Arizona this is Sports. from the Arizona Sports uh, uh, Radio 98.7 web- they, website. Matt they Link. start talking about Talkit having uh, one cups, and then they the next paragraph starts with, among these three players, there are five cups. Somehow, Phil Kessel, who was also is bundled with Rick Tockett, 
And on the first pass through the article earlier, uh, I made the mistake of you, thinking they weren't talking about him or including I, him in the number. But I agree with that. If you read the article, Kessel's name is basically tagged on to that last paragraph, starting with talk at the 18-year NHL vet, won a Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh in 92, won two more as an assistant coach in 16-17. And then the last sentence, Kessel was on both of those teams. Then it dives into... Richardson, Shalmerson, Goligoski have five cups between them. And then all of a sudden we jump back to Kessel again. It's like, okay, is he forgetting Kessel or is he downplaying the fact that Kessel had Stanley Cup experience as well? It's it's definitely downplay. I mean, when you're in the second half of an article where you about your coach um, and Let's face it, that he wasn't exactly uh, invisible with just under a point per game in both of those cup runs Mm -hmm. and all 82 regular season games. Um, Yeah, Phil Kessel has one of the more laid back and self-contained personalities in the entire NHL. Um, There's I mean, it's probably easier to get Bergeron to talk about himself. Uh, or to talk himself up than it is to get Phil Kessel to talk. Bergeron doesn't like to talk about himself. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that would be the point. I get it now. Yeah. Um, Than it is to get Phil Kessel to talk in the first place. But you know what? Whether you like him, whether you dislike him, he does his talking on the ice. And, you know, 10 goals in 24 playoff games – He's pretty good. 23 points in 25 playoff games is pretty good. And wait, 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 is that Rick Nash? Yes, that's absolutely Rick Nash. I'm actually not sure that Rick Nash had eight playoff goals in his entire NHL career. Ah, okay. I mean, to me, the bigger picture of this, and like I said, Cheka comes out and makes a statement. I think he's trying to hype up his team, and that's what I think that a good GM should and could do that. But the bigger picture here is for a team to have four players on the squad and the head coach with Stanley cup winning experience, not just being there, but these five, these four players and coach have won Stanley cups. They're going to be able to guide this team, guide the youth in all sorts and manner of things as far as how to handle themselves, how to conduct themselves, how how to level themselves off so they're not too high on game day or too low. It, it, just overall mannerisms and, and how to, to de-stress and, and every aspect of what they're going to be going through. And to me, the best part of this experience with those four guys, they did it in different places. They did it in different parts of their career. Um, It's not like they all did it as NHL rookies or they all did it, uh, you know, in the 17th year of their career. Phil Kessel had been deep into the playoffs in Boston. Um, He got uh, he got his cups more than a decade into his NHL career. Um, Was Goligoski a rookie or just a very young player in the Dallas Stanley Cup? 
Um, Goligoski. No, Goligoski has a where he, um, No, it says that he has a cup. Then where did he win his cup? I don't that's remember. What trying, that's what I'm trying to figure out. He would have to have been a very, very young player if it was in the Dallas run. Alex Goligoski. Although I keep forgetting he's old. No, you know what? He would have been in Pittsburgh, too. I don't remember Goligoski no. in Pittsburgh. God, I know. Uh, didn't, he win, didn't he win it in 9-10 with them? Well, he must have only played 13 games in that playoff. Uh, why <laughs> can't I remember bad. where he won? This is bad. <laughs> this is very, very bad for me. <laughs> All right, let's scroll through here. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguin. I don't even remember. Yeah, it, was, it would have been the 09 season. It was the 09 season. Um, but he With played thir- he played 13 of those games. Nine points in 13 playoff games. Yeah, which is kind of unterrible. Um, that would have been his first full season. No, oh, no, eight, no. He, eight, he only played five games. He only played five games. Because uh, um, they won it in 2009, so that the end of the... 0809 season, so that would have been his rookie year. So yeah, we've they've got guys who have done it across uh, across the span of their career. He's still, I mean, he's still got 34 playoff games, 21 points uh, as a defenseman. Not bad. No, very not bad. I mean, Goligoski's not the. He's he's more of a two-way defenseman. He's not fully, absolutely. He's not fully defensive defenseman, but I wouldn't list him as my offensive defenseman of, of choice. I mean, I think when he was with Dallas, Klingberg was young up and comer still, and and he would have been the the offensive defenseman type. But Goligoski's certainly two-way defenseman. Definitely more experienced now, and he's going to have an effect on that defensive core. In, in Arizona, I mean, Ekman Larson is the captain of the team, but it's been a while since he's been in the playoffs. It, it has been a while, but uh, I like, I honestly, in a lesser, to a lesser extent, like the balance of this team in a lot of ways, the same way that I did. Uh, the Bruins going into that 10-11 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can manufacture some believability in this playoff, in this uh, play-in round, and end up end up in the first in the official first round, I think uh, I think that they have a good as good a chance of, of any team as landing in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Uh, I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, and I'll say it right now. If St. Louis gets knocked out in either the play uh, in the, uh, in the first round, it's literally anyone's game in the West. Literally anyone's St. Louis is, should be the heavy favorite out West with maybe Colorado as number two. But if they get knocked out, 
it, it's anyone's it's any it's open season flat out and the way the way Arizona has been playing this year has not been an up tempo outscore your opponents five goals to three or six goals to four or even two yeah. goals to one their their game all season has been defensive oriented they're winning a lot of games two to one they're winning uh, winning some games in overtime their goaltending has been uh, when healthy Solid. I think Darcy Kemper was I think Darcy Kemper should have been a Vesna candidate if he had stayed healthy I was saying that back in January uh, back in December before you hurt uh, Auntie Ranta can certainly get hot depending on and they're another team that I can see going the tandem route with goaltending as well sure because I like both goaltenders I think Darcy Kemper has a slight advantage there he's and the team has learned to trust him I mean this is a guy who's been with Minnesota traded to Los Angeles found himself a home and a starting job with Arizona. I think Arizona is well positioned here. They have a very, very interesting team to talk about um, and to watch. I think you're going to be, I think you're not doing yourself any favors. If you watch games for the love of hockey, if you don't watch at least one or two of Colorado's games, uh, in the uh, in the play-in round. I wish we did see more. Uh, we get to see Colorado was starting to get more TV time uh, on the second window from NBC Sports. I wish we get to see more Arizona games. Absolutely. Arizona still doesn't get the coverage that I think they deserve, and I understand that they're not a top-tier team or whatever you want to call them, but they're still in a reasonable size media market. They need to get a push. Yes. This, I mean, the playoffs is being in the playoffs is going to help them, regardless of how they got there. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I honestly just love the fact that we're going to get to see the Coyotes playing, absolutely, uh, in the playoffs. And I guess it's now time to jump up north. Uh, Pacific Coast uh, Highway? Get on that Pacific Coast Highway, uh, live that West Coast life, and uh, go deep into the uh, green. Now we got to cross the border, though, don't we? Uh, get your passport out. Um, this is the other follow-up to a story from last week or the week before that we were mentioning. Um Brock Besser has been talked about as being potentially traded out of Vancouver for as a <clears throat> cap casualty. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently he's not best pleased with it, uh, which Gee, I don't I blame why. him for. Uh, there's a lot of nice. Uh, there's a lot of young players his age there. He's got uh, he's played there his whole career All at the beginning argument. of the season. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, <laughs> the GM was saying, oh, I haven't had any conversations about trading him. I have no intention of trading him. And now, now do you we're, believe Uncle Jim. Um, maybe I'm just a horrible person, but I don't believe any general manager uh, when they're speaking or when they're not speaking. OK, that would be like ninety nine point seven percent of the time. Yes. 
Okay. Thank you for paying attention. Um, <laughs> Brock Besser is, I can see him not wanting to go anywhere. You look at that squad, and, and as we talked about with Travis Green at the helm, you look at that squad, you've got Brock Besser, Jake Bertanen, Elias Pettersson. We talked about this last week. To leave a squad that young, that talented, and they're on their way up, they got, got, they've got they got a Vesna candidate. My goodness, that's scary. Um, <laughs> Not enough captain. They called their candidate in Quinn Hughes. Uh, you've still got some maturity on that team as well in the form of a Louis Erickson. Alexander Edler is the elder statesman of the defense corps. It, it's a solid group. Their defense, I mean, their goaltending might be the most questionable area of that team just because Markstrom being injured and relying on on a young guy in Thatcher Demko who clearly has the chops to do it but getting thrown to the wolves behind a defense that's not the staunchest in the league but is getting there. They don't have a whole lot behind Thatcher Demko is kind of the issue because DiPietro is very young. Uh... It's you got you got the Bo you got Bo Horvat up there. I can see him not wanting to leave, and like you said, played his whole career there, uh, drafted by them. It's a good spot for him to be in, but it also makes him that much more desirable. His talent and his ability make him that much that much more desirable, and the contract being what it is also makes him a very attractive piece. So Benning's got to do what he's got to do. You can't you can't argue with Jim Benning for at least listening to phone calls. No, you can't, but that doesn't mean it's going to make it uh all any more enjoyable for uh Brock Besser uh in the eventuality that he has traded. Yeah, agreed. It's also the potential landing spots for his services may not be desirable for him. Uh, is Philly, On the other hand, they could well be. I mean, maybe he – I mean, if we're talking – if we're going to look at two guys who we've talked about this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, financially, it's less viable than – uh, then uh, maybe either side wants, but just just as pure speculation, a uh, Gostas Bear for Besser trade. If they if they genuine if Philadelphia genuinely believes in their def- in their defensive unit, not the worst idea ever. I mean they're pretty tight to the cap. Uh, but moving Goss to spare, yeah, I mean, financially, it, it, it's almost a non-starter, uh, especially with that grotesque Hayes contract. But <laughs> OK, grotesque is probably too strong a word, but uh, no, no, it, it, I mean, it's not the other. It's not the Hayes that played here in Boston we're talking about, but it's still it, it's not a good contract. No, no, I don't. Like it's good contract. for it's good for Kevin Hayes. It's <laughs> great for his agent. Um, but no, sorry. 
there are multiple no's attached to that contract. Yes, um, there are. But you've got Edler up there at 34, Tyler Myers is 30, and signed through, well, yeah, 23-24. Uh, Stetcher's 26, Jordy Ben at 32 I mean Gostas Beer at 27 would be one of the younger defensemen on that team but how much would he be what do you, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, role influence player do you want in front of a Quinn Hughes at 20 years old do you want I want like if I'm if I had my pick of if I had my pick of guys who are playing currently for the Flyers, it would be Justin Braun. Like Justin Braun is the guy I would take, pack it, package him up, uh, move his entire house, and then staple uh, Quinn to him as soon as they both arrived at practice. Okay. Um, Niskanen has been there and done that. Yes. Um, they're both the same age, but of those six or seven guys, I I would take Justin Braun, uh, even though he has not won the cup. I just don't see from a, from a influence standpoint, I, I can see it, but from an age standpoint, and I hate to put it that way, but He's 33 now, if I'm not mistaken. I, yes. I was reading it off earlier. Yeah, both Niskanen and Braun are 33. I can't see Benning doing that. He's going to want to get a little bit younger. Gostas Beer probably makes more sense, even if the money doesn't. They can figure out how to make the money work. It's. I just don't uh, see making them the money work on. is going to be that cha- is going to be that challenge because uh, <clears throat> it's not just the contracts they're dealing with today. Vancouver is going to have to come up in pretty short order with contracts for, uh, I mean, Tyler Toffoli is a UFA. It maybe maybe you need to let him walk. Um, Tanner Pearson has one more year left. I don't think, I don't know that they're going to try. Brandon Sutter has, Brandon Sutter has one more year left. Um, but then you've got for Tannen, Mott, um, I mean, Gaudette and McEwen, who are all at the end of RFA contracts. Uh, and then, you know, Elias Pedersen has got one more year left as an, as an RFA. <laughs> There's the one you, you got to target as big money. That's, that's the, that's going to be the biggest money uh, in town. Um, assuming that next season is useful. Uh-huh. I mean, he could be one of those guys who has an amazing rookie year and nothing. Ratanen's going to get decent money. Tyler Mott's not going to be huge money. And I like Tyler Mott. He's actually... He's solid. He's a very solid young man. He's not a huge goal scorer type, but he plays all he plays all three positions across the front. And, 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 and in terms of... He's not shy about being physical, but that's not the bulk of his game. He's He does a little bit of everything well. Yeah, you can throw him in in almost any situation. I that's what I like about him. Godet's going to cost them a little bit of money. I don't think Godet's going to be north of three. I mean, he had thirty three points in fifty nine games. Uh, he only played fifty six games last year and just five the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, McEwen, I am less familiar with, 
I didn't see a great many Vancouver games this year, and he only played in 17 of them anyways. So yeah, I, I think you're looking at a league minimum contract or maybe a little bit more if you really like him. But some of the youth on and, and yeah, unfortunately, you've got guys, you've got the Roussels and the, and 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 Tafoli. I can't see them resigning Tafoli, but anything's possible. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Tafoli's going to be walking around shopping his services anywhere. Uh, they've already resigned JT Miller. Fabulous move. Does t- does Tyler Tafoli become the best RFA uh, UFA forward? Uh... I think that's something we're going to have to talk about next week. Um, yeah. For any of our listeners, uh, if you think you know who the best UFA forward is this season, uh, going into this season or this off season, let me know on Twitter. Uh, I'm at uh, Puck Sage. You can let Chris know. Happy off week. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Share the show. Uh, have a safe week and hockey is coming. Hockey is coming. Hockey is coming and we will be here for it.